We did it. This is Address Unknown, episode one, season one. Woohoo! Made it. Yes. And I am Mark. All right. So to start, we thought that we would give a brief history about who we are. We got into this a bit in the trailer, if you will. But we're hoping that more people than just our parents are listening and might want a little bit more background on us. All right. So a little brief history. We are a married couple. We decided to take this leap Take a detour away from the expected path. We're getting off the ladder and getting on the road. So let's talk really quickly about how we met. Um, Kind of a fun story, I think. And how we got here. Here being recording a podcast in the bedroom closet of our house in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. As some know, we did meet Jonica and I on the most celebrated day in the United States, the 4th of July in Minneapolis, Minnesota. At this time, Jonica was a hairdresser, went back to school, and I was acting property manager for a residential firm in the city. Fourth of July, sparks flew. Literally, because it was the 4th of July. (laughs) You biked past me. We later started talking. You had uh, bottle rockets, which terrify me. Um, But those were the, the literal sparks that did, in fact, fly. Right. If I'm not mistaken, it was me, a flask of whiskey, and a pack of bottle rockets that won your heart that night, my dear. Yes. I don't know what that says about me, but that's true. Yes. And we've been together ever since, and that was back, way back, 2009. Yes. So, less than a year later, 2010, I have finally graduated from school and started working in advertising. So, different, new start on life, different career, but... After a couple of years, not that I did not love my job at the time, I totally did. I just had to move to New York and give it a try. Um, You know, there's a lot of advertising agencies. New York is New York. So wanted to get out of Minneapolis and and try something new. Um, Luckily for me, Farver was down to uh, give it a try. We talked about being transparent and honest, and, and let's let's be honest in the situation. Jonica gave me an ultimatum that said, basically, I'm leaving to go move to New York City. You can stay here living in Minneapolis, um, but it won't be with me. And so, my love, I think I made the correct decision. You chose right. I chose right. Yeah. For once. Yeah. It was great. So, 2012, we pack up the U-Haul. And we start driving east to New York City to our new home base, which was going to be Chinatown. Yes. And what an adventure that was, driving a U-Haul through New York City, being first-time drivers in New York City. That was, that was terrifying. We ended up living in New York for 10 years. We've been living in the Poconos for the past year, so on the East Coast for 11 years, almost like to the day. Yeah. We lived five years in Manhattan, in Chinatown, just loved, loved our time there, and then eventually moved for the last five years to Brooklyn. It was amazing. We love New York. We are sad to be leaving New York, arguably, in our opinion, as of right now, I guess, the the best city in the world. Right, right. If anybody has ever said to you, New York will spit you up 
and chew you out. Uh, I believe it's chew you up and spit you out, but you know, whatever. If anybody ever said New York will chew you up and spit you out, that's exactly what it does. That's also what drives you to love it and hate it at the same time. Fun little story, 2020, the pandy hits. Mm -hmm. This affects everyone's world. Turns it upside down. And we were one of those people who absconded from the city and went out to our weekend home that we had in the Pocono Mountains. And this is really when I think we started getting serious about planning this trip, planning our departure, planning um, to leave everything and travel around the world for, for at least a year. So that's when I think, you know, when it felt like the world was ending, we realized that, like, Life is short. You never know what's going to happen. And this is what we wanted to do. So traveling has always been a passion of both of ours. I think that we've been very fortunate to have done many trips both on our own, pre our relationship, um, on our own, even in our relationship, I'm lucky enough that I got to travel a lot for work. You've taken trips and we've done a lot together as well. But I think how the interest, um, and passion for traveling was built was very different for both of us. So why don't you talk about Farber? What got you excited and like wanting to, to travel? huge point of inspiration is going to be uh, from hopefully our, our core listeners, my parents, <laughs> B&D, uh, Becky and Damon. They are, the Love you. they are the inspiration for our ability to do this podcast, to travel, to even get in travel to begin with. So, uh, you know, as a kid, we did it all. We did the pull behind trailers. We did uh, trips to Canada. We did trips to Mexico. We, we just traveled around the U.S. and abroad occasionally um, when we were fortunate to do so. They are lifelong travelers. They are the, the our role model, if you will, for, for such a thing. Life goals. And like, so you guys, though, you traveled as a family, but usually you traveled with two other families. And not only did you all travel together, but your parents traveled on their own quite often with their friends and would come back and have like tales of the times and slideshow. Yeah. Pictures. Big slideshow actually when they came Mm -hmm. home all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And, and so we were, you know, I think that as a family, we were drawn to that. Right. And, and personally I was drawn to it and excited by it. That got me to, you know, dropping out of college when I was 20 years old and filling a backpack and going to Western Europe and like doing the whole Eurorail thing and eating baguettes and drinking Belgian beers and just staying in hostels, staying in hostels, sometimes good, sometimes bad. The bed bugs, you know, regrettable experience. But um, nonetheless, that was sort of the the initial boom of my travel time. Or excitement. How long did you do that for? Six months. I was in Six Western months. Europe. Yeah. OK. But then you decided, OK, it's time to go back and finish that degree yes yes part of the deal yeah bnd so you did that and then you graduated yes and then after graduating worked some time and then decided it was time to travel again and i said 
okay, listen, um, going to Southeast Asia, I'm going to teach English. And I thought this would be, again, another six-month backpacking trip. It, it extended to two years living in the south um, portion of Thailand in a town called Trang. It was amazing taking the motorcycle trips to the islands, uh, spending time in Laos. And so that, again, was a sort of a trip that was planned to be short and became long and is, is very different than your travel bug uh, ignition, if you will. Yeah. I think the great thing, though, about those trips, well, I feel like one was a trip and one was like just life for two years, um, is that you met people who have now become kind of like lifelong friends, people that you still are in touch with in one way, shape or form mm -hmm. and people that uh, we hope to perhaps see on our travels. We need a place to stay. <laughs> Hopefully. We're, we won't impose. We're not going to impose on anybody. Um, yeah, mine, uh, how I built my passion for travel is, is definitely very different. Uh, growing up, my family, my dad and mom and two younger brothers would all cram into the minivan and drive from Minnesota down to Sanibel Island in Florida uh, every single spring break. And, you know, again, we're, we're you know, middle age. So the, we didn't have uh, tablets. We didn't have phones. We played the license plate game. We had uh, magnetic checkers and stuff that we would play to to keep us occupied. But they were fun. I mean, Sanibel Island is a, a beautiful place, but my parents weren't really ones for traveling outside of the country. But then my sophomore year of high school, I was lucky enough to have a, a band director. Yes, I was in high school band. Do you remember the band director's name? Yeah, Mr. Zeman. Oh, yeah. My. R.I.P., I think. But, um... He he loved to travel, and so therefore every single year he would pick a different arm of the band, be it marching band, be it jazz band, uh, to do a trip. And, you know, we would fundraise. I think I sold five million chocolate bars. I don't even know how it happened, but um, sophomore year went to Austria and Germany. You thought it was Australia. I thought it was Australia. I had no... That's how little I knew of the world. It was winter, so it definitely was not Australia. Um, but it was amazing, and it was beautiful, and it was a whole new world, and I had an amazing experience, and it got me really excited about, like, what else was out in the world. And then a number of years went by, and finally in my early 20s, I started to be able to travel a bit more too. And I went to Thailand, I went to Europe. Um, and it really just became something that like, that's, that's why I was working, right? I was working to save money to be able to travel. It's always been the kind of end all be all goal for me. We'll get into this more in, a, in, a, in another episode. But I mean, that sort of like va it's vacationing more. I mm. mean, you living in Thailand was like travel, I feel like. But, you know, vacation, very different than travel. Um, and we are going to be traveling. And so next episode, maybe we'll get into the, the nuances and the differences in that, I think, a little bit more. But um, before we dive into the next topic, we are going to to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
And we are back. Season 1, Episode 1 of Address Unknown. So let's talk about quick uh, goals and how we decided to actually make this dream a reality, how we got here, and uh, we start with, again, basic planning process. Yeah. It's it's pandy. It's maybe like, you know, six months, a year in, and we start really getting serious about this. And I'm going to say... We start the process, but process, I'm using air quotes, you can't see that, but loosely, um, because everyone will approach this differently. Everyone is at a different stage in their life. Everyone is coming from different situations. There's no blueprint, right, for, for how to do this. So I think that for us, we wanted to kind of soak up as much knowledge and experience from people out there that have done this before as we could. So, you know, old school just started ordering a shit ton of books (laughs) from people who have written about this topic. One of them being, obviously, I think most people know Nomadic Matt, right? If you don't know who that is, look that up. Search on the internet. He's incredible. He's been doing this forever. He really, to me at least, is he's the pioneer of really just, he travels. That's what he does. Um, and I think that he has so much experience in, in doing this. So he's written two books, which we purchased immediately, 10 Years in Nomad, and How to Travel the World on $50 uh, a day. Um, And these were super helpful. I think that these kind of started us asking the questions like what we needed to do started like giving us kind of an outline of how we were going to to plan this trip. I do think, though, that obviously he wrote these when when he was younger. Um, He was at a very, again, different point in his life. And so everything that like he talks about, at least in the books, we kind of took with a grain of salt, for example to travel on $50 a day, I will not be staying in hostels unless I can have a private room. I don't see Jonica traveling anywhere on $50 a day. <laughs> That's not true. I feel like there will be countries in like Southeast Asia that we can live off that. Hopefully. Hopefully but, but yes, again, being older, um, I, I want my private space. I'm not going to be living in a room with a bunch of 20-year-olds farting and having sex that's not a point in my life that i am at um, okay okay back to books enough of like each their own enough of like hostile <laughs> life which is not bad for any of those people not, i'm not saying it's bad again everyone has their own experience i'm saying my truth and what i want to experience i had a great time in the hostels i know you did i know that's another story um but his his blog and website have been incredibly helpful because obviously it's current, it's up to date, it's like what's happening now. There's a lot more resources online than I think when he started doing this. So definitely have used him as a, a big resource. Some other books that we purchased and continue to reference as we're planning is Lonely Planet's The Big Trip. This is really good for details on countries and places, kind of what to expect and uh Things such as budgets, food, getting around, that sort of thing. And then another one that I truly love and I have read, I feel like, multiple times is A Year Off by Alexandra and David Brown. 
uh, I feel like we connected most with, with them and their experience, where they were in their life when they were starting to plan this and then actually like execute their plan to leave their jobs, leave their apartment in San Francisco and take that year and travel around the world. There were a lot of specifics in there around planning your route, what to pack, gear, uh, pre and post trip tips that I think we found very, very helpful. So that was a great, yeah, great I, book. I think for, for people who are looking to do this, who are looking to, you know, take a year sabbatical or take a year abroad or, or whatever it may be. Gap year. Gap year, we could call it. So many terminologies. Mm. Um, is to seek out a book that suits your personal mm-hmm. life experience, right? So we felt that Alexandra and David's book was, as, as Jonica said, so similar to our own life currently that it made sense to follow along and invest in their experience. Whereas if you are retirement age, you may be looking at a different you know, type of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are business traveler and you, you are using miles and points and things like that, and you're still involved with business and maybe you're working while you're on the road, mm-hmm. that's, that's a different book. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, just for future, seek out the authors that are similar for what type of experience you're seeking. Yeah, and I think we found that there was a gap, <laughs> again, uh, in resources that were geared towards people of, of our age. There's a ton for people that are college age, younger, obviously doing that, because that's when a, t- you know, a lot of people tend to do this. Um, and then obviously there's people that are closer to and or of retirement age. So, you know, we kind of had to like find things on, on the cusp and then adjust them to us. But anyway, so one of the first things, I guess, after combing through these resources and I think reading these books was to start to map out our route. Yeah. To start this, uh, we literally bought a map the size of our kitchen table. It's a global map. It was a map. We're talking about a paper map. Paper map kids. of the world. Mm-hmm. And started identifying first cities we wanted to see, regions we wanted to see, um, geographic points in the, on, on the globe that we wanted to see. And then started putting that into somewhat of a detailed trip itinerary. So we are now on trip itinerary number seven or eight or something like this. Yeah, it keeps evolving, which uh, it should. I mean, right? Keep like, it loose. Yeah, keep it loose, which is very hard for me, but I'm trying to go with the flow. The The other thing is trying to figure out the economies in these different places in the world and what that means for you as a traveler, right? So where do you start? Where do you peak your trip as far as economics are concerned, meaning how much you plan to spend in each place. Budgets. Budgets. That yes. friendly, fun word. Yes. But very important, right? I mean, again, nomadic map, $50 a day. No, sorry. A, different time. B, different stage of life. C, looking for a different experience. We've budgeted $250 a day yes. for us. Yes, yes. We feel very lucky that we've been able to save for quite some time to to make this a reality. But for us, that felt comfortable because, to Mark's point, there will be some countries that are very expensive and we'll go over that for sure every day. 
there are going to be some countries that are much cheaper where we will come in under. But on average, that's what we will try to stick to in order to be on the road and traveling around the world for at least a year. But I don't want to like, I'm not, we're not going to like penny pinch. Like we're not I don't want to forfeit experiences because no. we're, because of our, the economic situation. Exactly. It's like we, if we run out of money, we go home, you know, I want to make the most of, but not feel like I have to be tracking every single dime, every single day. We'll do it and we'll have to do it to make the most of it. Um, but hopefully in the way that we've planned our route, we've tried to, Start with more expensive countries, a la Australia. And then as we go around, there will be a mix and match of less. More affordable, more economical. Yeah, and and medium, then, yeah. medium range. Yep. Because, you know, again, we're lucky in how much we've been able to travel. And so, for example, we probably won't be doing a lot of Western Europe. No. During this trip. Because it's expensive. And I think the time of year that will be there will be the the peak. Um, and so will be the most expensive place. But there are places that we know people. And hopefully we'll have places to stay. So it's not to say that we won't be visiting any of those countries. But um, we probably, unfortunately, won't be going to Paris. Which is one of my favorite cities in the whole wide world. But... We'll be back again someday, just not on this trip. Probably. Not on this trip. Yeah. And so through the process, right, we've talked about mapping a route, how you did your research. Um, the, really, the, the final step to this entire process is telling your friends, your family, your loved ones, and last but not least, telling your job. Yeah. And this was this was an interesting thing. I think, you know, again, everyone has a different point of view, a, a different way that they will approach this. But we decided to tell our families first. That made the most sense for us. Um, and not shockingly, I think, you know, due to even like, well, or maybe shockingly, I don't know, due to our upbringing, uh, our families reacted very differently when we told them. Yeah. What did your what did your father and stepmother? How did they take this? chill about it i think they they had some questions again you know uh, my my dad's wife is she used to be a flight attendant so she definitely has has traveled um my dad now has he's left the country he's gone places which is great i don't think that travel has ever been a passion point of his but they were very supportive i think to them it's like if you want to do it and you can do it do it. You know, there's always a sadness, obviously, of being like, okay, you're going to be very far away. But as as with our parents and hopefully with a lot of our friends, uh, people listening, we hope that they will come and meet us on the road at some point. How uh, how about the the Farbers? The Farbers went through some different stages. They were I more will say that they were more receptive. I, I I think initially, but certainly they went through. A grieving, a, a, not a grieving process, no. but a stages. stages of acceptance. And uh, at first they were very enthusiastic. The reality set in and they became very concerned because they're, they're parents. We respect that. Um, and then at the end of it came out very supportive and very happy and excited about it. Yeah, we're not 
just throwing caution to the wind and being like, we're just going to do it and it's going to be great. Like we have been, I would say very meticulous in the way that we have planned this out. Um, from not only a, a routing mapping down to finances and budgets and all of that. So really making sure that everything is on the up and up when it comes to that. Um, I think we, we started telling them, we told them like a year. Yeah. You're out. Ago. You're out. Yeah. Yep. Um, a little different with the friends. Yeah, Friends, we waited a little bit longer. It was interesting. In one of the books that we read, they talked about not telling your friends until, like, pretty close to your departure date because there was a worry that people would start to kind of almost reject you and not want to spend time with you, not want to, you know, do dinners or whatever because why would you? You're not going to be here soon. We talked about it. I didn't agree with that. We've gone through this... I mean, not same, but similar when we moved from Minneapolis to New York. You know, it was like we had a very large, amazing friend base there and we moved to the East Coast and everyone took it really well. And so we knew, I think, that people would be supportive of this and they very much were. And even like our friends in New York, we're still seeing them. We're still hanging out with them. Um, It's more of a... Adju- you know, sadness and... Adjustment. Again, I think everyone has to find their own way to do this, but we wanted to be open and honest to give people time to process and then obviously kind of do the, the goodbye tour with, with people. Then... Then came... Jobs. The jobs. And we could not have more different experiences bum, bum, bum. when it came to this. Why don't you talk about yours first? I... Came to my employer courteously after, you know, we knew this was going to happen for years, right? So I go to my employer and I say 30 days in advance, listen, my wife and I have made this decision and I'll be leaving the company. I'm not going to a competitor, but I wanted to let you know in advance so you can find a replacement. And this was May. May of 2022. Yes. And also because we were moving... Out here, out to, to save money, Poconos to yeah. save money full time. Yep. And your job, my job is not going to have uh, allow for remote work. They right. would not or cons- hybrid. They, they would not consider such a thing. No. So. So you thought you'd be like, I'm moving to the Poconos. And I thought I'd be unemployed within a month. But it also is the type of thing where you can commute in. People do it every day. People do it every day. Bless those people. I have no idea how they do it. Um, but we were just like, no, I mean, five days a week was just not an option, but they let me come in two days a week. Yeah. So we negotiated a nice agreement where mm-hmm. I came in for the next 12 months, actually to <laughs> year to the day, practically that I gave notice again and was able to walk away. Great relationship, mm-hmm. uh, from my employer and earn a New York city income living in the Poconos. All the while, you were working and your employer didn't know that you were planning to leave and go travel around the world. Did not know. Did not know. Um, yeah, I mean, many agencies, right, during during COVID, you know, shut their doors. You were still having to go in, like, you, you know, a couple months into 2020, mm-hmm. into when, like, the world shut down. You had to, like, go back into the city. So we were going back and forth, back and forth. But I was still very much working remotely until 
sometime in 2022 uh, when they wanted us to come back into the office one to two days a week. So again, fine, totally doable because that's what you were doing. So, you know, cute. You commuted in together Tuesdays and Thursdays, but correct. My, my employer did not know until uh, a month ago. Um, no one at my work knew until a month ago. So while Farrah has been able to talk about this and talk about planning and people asking him questions, I've had to, I I decided to, I will say, keep this a secret. You were less, less forthcoming. Yeah. I was worried It'll be interesting if like people from my company listen to this, but I was worried that if, if they know that I'm leaving, they know that there's an exit plan. Why would they invest in me? Why would they keep me around? And so it was my choice to, to keep this private. And it was hard because you're sitting there doing planning for the year out and in the back of my mind, I'm always like, I'm not going to be there then. But it also helped me to stay invested, stay engaged because I couldn't let this out. I didn't want to let this out. Um, so I really do feel like I had to watch myself. There were a couple times things almost slipped out and it terrified me um, because we did have this plan in, in place. So yeah, I gave notice a month ago. Um, my last day was yesterday and uh, how's retirement treating you so far (laughs) it's been all of three four hours i don't know um hasn't said it yet but no everyone was so so supportive you know upset sad it's it's been very bittersweet but very very supportive of my plan and our plan and what we're going to be doing so uh, I feel very, very lucky, and um, it felt good to leave on a high note. And anybody who is planning to do a trip or leave a company and you want to leave on good terms, my suggestion, this is a personal thing, and, and I think we both agree, but give give the company some time. Give them a, a month if you can. Uh, you never know. You may end up coming back. Right? Yes, uh, and exactly. you, Or who somebody may know somewhere else down the road, and you know, there's no need to burn bridges. Especially if you're not going to a competitor or not being terminated. Yeah, it's not, yeah, not necessary. And it is, it's a very unique experience. I think most of the time you quit a job because you are disgruntled or you are going to a competitor or another company. So this is a unique experience and you really do want to try to, to leave on that high note. Leave, leave a positive taste in everyone's mouth about you. Um, so... We're jobless now. Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone knows. We've sold the house. um, And we're going to start to ease into our travel lifestyle. Another piece of advice that we took from the book a year off was taking some time to start to, I think, retrain your brain, honestly. Like, for me, the fact that I don't have work email and I don't have Slack is is mind-blowing to me. People who invented Slack. Yeah. The worst. The Slack is the worst, I will say. Like, what an anxiety inducing program. It's just horrible. I'm sure there are many people out there who love it and you can handle it. It just, no, that was horrible. Anywho, not having those things is, is kind of mind blowing. You've been jobless for a month now. 
And I also think like we have very different personalities, right? So I think how we adjust to this will be different. Will be different. <laughs> exactly. So we're taking some time to be, be in PA a little bit longer, be in the Poconos a little bit longer. Um, and then we are going to, to hit the road, visit a few different places in the States here. Um, more on that in the following episode, but, uh, we're, we're excited. We're going to get into a little bit more of detailed trip prep, um, and all the things. So why don't we, why don't we take a quick break and, um, and we'll be right back. We're back. Every episode, we're going to end with each of us talking quickly about something that we love and something that we learned from the past week or so. Do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. Okay, so what's what's your love? What's my love? So I think that throughout this process of planning this entire trip, right, when this has been years in the making, this was not an impulsive decision. We set, I would say, attainable goals. Milestones, milestones mm-hmm. that we wanted to hit. Um, and we've, we've succeeded in going through those from the budget, from how much we have to save to how we're going to get rid of personal items that we have to shed and put things in storage and how we're going to um, move out of our home and drive back to Minnesota. And we, we've actually, I think, fairly, fairly well executed each one of those milestones. And, mm-hmm. and I love that because... I was literally up at night waiting for the shoe to drop on one of these things. And I, I was like, this will hold us up. We won't be able to leave. Let's knock on wood real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm glad that that's my love. I'm not even glad. That's my love that we actually succeeded at, at hitting those and, and as was not anticipated. Yeah, because I literally have a, a sketch. It's almost like a shoots and ladders sort of situation of like doing X here, doing Y here, doing Z here. And... Uh, and we made this over a year ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, oh, my God. Probably like a year and a half, two years, two years ago, ago. And we hit everything almost to a T. So that's a great love. All right. Your learn. My learn. This may be obvious to some who are already retirement age. But in my past month of, of unemployment, I've learned that you must have a routine. You must have some sort of planning or a hobby whether it's volunteering or exercising or working on a podcast, you must have some sort of daily ritual that you get to so that your mind stays sharp, so that things don't go dull and turn to mush. A checklist. A checklist, if to you do. will. Yep. To do. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. Well, in retirement. that's And my parents would kill me if they heard me call this retirement. Yes. This uh, is not retirement. <laughs> we know that we're going to have to come back. Sabbatical. And work. Sabbatical, but that's that is my learn that that you must uh, have something to look forward to and a plan each and every day to get up and, and get something done. Cool. What is your love, my dear? My love is since I did just have my last day. I love the acceptance and the friendships that I have built. Not only in the last three years at my employer, um, because I have made so many great connections and met so many amazing people that I know we will keep in in contact. It's 
it's just the whole, you know, 10, 11 years that we've had on the East Coast. I've loved everything. Not everything, obviously. The roaches, the rats, the smells, those sort of things. But um, I've just loved the experience and the connections and the relationships that, that I have built that I will cherish and I will take with me. And what is your learn? My learn is... It's like a learning process, I feel like. Because elaborate on that. As we kind of alluded to, I'm, I'm the stress stress ball one in the relationship. I tend to stress more. Not that you don't. You do. But, um, you know, I, I'm trying not to transfer my stresses from work in a pretty high-stress, high-paced industry into this this planning process, things that need to happen to getting us on the road and, and leaving. Um, cause I do tend to like just spiral out and start to like, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And it's like, we have time to do it and it'll happen. Um, so my learn is to try to not be so stressful, be more in the moment and know that shit will get done. Okay. That's it. That's it. That's episode one. Successful episode one of season one, Address Unknown. All right. Stay tuned. There will be more. We have an Instagram page. We have an Instagram page. Address Unknown Worldwide. We're excited for episode two. Let us know what you think so far. Yeah. Yeah. Be nice. (laughs) Be kind. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.